0: world of real and virtual auto sport meets mad sim racing media presents the into the apex podcast
1: and this is the into the apex podcast we are back after an episode from charlotte motor speedway with uh, bradley beeman who uh, was there on track he's back tonight Uh, myself tyler beeman from mad sim racing and com and Bradley, uh, just some final thoughts as we return. Uh, since you were in Charlotte at the race, you were at the, the Xfinity race that we covered, uh, and uh, I think the highlights seemed to be the IMSA race. How did you feel about it?
0: Yeah, definitely uh, the highlight was the IMSA race, um, not only because the weather was improved, um, but because, I've, one, I've never seen those cars in person. That was the first sports car IMSA series race I've ever attended. Um, it was nice to see the the NASCAR stock cars again. Um, I know you know I haven't seen those cars or been to a race since two thousand and eight, which I think we covered the last podcast. Um, but it was, I mean, it was a fun race. Even the Xfinity race was a fun fun race. I think you followed it on TV. Um, just the weather was so bad.
1: Yeah, I watched it, and just the fact that it was raining and. And, and t- raining really heavily. I mean, they had to stop the race, I guess, for a period of time there. And they got back to it. But uh, it just kind of had you on the edge of your seat for the whole thing. Just the, the newness of it for those drivers, most of them. Uh, obviously, I mean, one of the leaders spun out and, at the very end of it Al Elmendinger to win. And uh, it was just kind of unpredictable, which was interesting. It, it definitely was not boring. I think road races in NASCAR generally are fun. Uh, Fun to watch, uh, for for me at least, and probably for you, but we also like road racing. Uh, I think NASCAR feels that way because they've added, obviously, more road races to the next year's schedule, uh, which may or may not have been controversial. But uh, I know you said last uh, couple weeks ago when we did that recording that it seemed like the major leagues, uh, once those M's sports cars got out on track,
0: yeah, they definitely, uh, I mean, the issues that some of the guys in Xfinity were having is uh, some of them have never raced in the rain, um, which the broadcasters mentioned on their broadcast, um, whereas the guys in the IMSA cars, uh, of, course, of course, those cars are always outfitted and ready to r- drive in the rain, um, whereas the one wiper and the rain tires for Xfinity was a brand new thing. I think it was available last year, and this year was the first time they actually had to put it all to use, which I... I think it was awesome. I mean, I would, I would love to go next year and it, the same thing happen and just be a little more prepared and take some rain gear. As, as, uh,
1: oh, for yourself, you mean? Yeah. What, what about for the Xfinity? Would you want to watch a doubleheader again? How was the doubleheader experience in person?
0: I mean, it was great. It's a long day. Um, the good thing about the Charlotte Motor Speedway, and I, I imagine a lot of speedways, is they allow you to bring food and drinks in as long as it's in a clear bag. Um, I didn't bring anything in. I should have. In the future, I probably would do it a little better, but it's been so long since I've done an event like that. I couldn't remember what they actually allowed. Um, it is. It makes for a long day, um, but, uh, I mean, it was enjoyable. I mean, the ticket was $50 for this particular race, for both races, and it's a full day of racing, full day of motorsports. Um, I don't think it's going to happen again. That's actually why I went, uh, it was because... I felt like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Of course, the schedule for Emze is out next year for 2021. Um, they're not going to the Robo. It was just an add-in race to make up for a missed race due to the shutdown. Um, so it probably won't. The opportunity probably won't arise again for quite some time, if ever. So I'm I'm pleased to say I was there for it.
1: Yeah, and I think they should go back. I mean, I thought it was interesting to watch. Uh, I think as far as iRacing, as we mix the two here, uh, which is unique to what we do, I think the Roval races, I don't know. I mean, I, I just kind of upgraded some of my equipment. I was not able to race the Roval in IMSA and iRacing for much of this week. Uh, we'll be racing it in a series upcoming that we'll get to later this episode. But uh, I ran a race yesterday at the Roval uh, got some a RAM upgrade in in my system here uh, because the roval was actually start, uh, causing it to lag quite a bit, but uh, I ran it and I uh, had to take my penalty for too many uh, incidents after not even halfway through the 45 minute uh, race. I mean, it was a, I, th- I read somewhere as far as the real life EMSA, that it was like a street race, like a street circuit race, I guess, like you would say, Long Beach, the tech track, uh, that you and I ran back in April or so at ERA. Uh, I think that that's correct. I mean, it's a really tight track. It's difficult. It's, it's terrifying with a official, you know, hosted session group of guys, you know, maybe 30, 40 guys to go into turn one with just nothing but walls on each side and nowhere to escape.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, that's exactly what it feels like because um, there's so few areas where you're not turning the wheel. I mean, there's just really the minor part on the backstretch before the chicane that uh, you're not actually having to work the car. Um, and I think it, the case in point would be Clem Boyer from the cup race at the Roval where his power steering went out or had some damage. And at the end of it, he got out of the car and collapsed to the ground and they actually had to take him to the infield care center because it's such a, a grueling and exhausting track. Um, I've only done, I did the one IMSA race there, and it was actually pretty fast, but I got into the wall, which, I mean, it's so easy to do coming out onto the back stretch or coming back onto the the NASCAR portion of the track, both the wall coming through that last little stretch, and then as you transition, it's so easy to clip the wall on the NASCAR portion. Um, But I want to try to get another one in tonight before it changes over um, tomorrow, so we'll see. But it's it's definitely a, a street-style st- track. I mean, it's a lot of work.
1: Yeah, as tight as it is, I mean, you think Daytona, it does give you that sense of a mini Daytona as far as driving it um, in the sports car. But it's it's just so much smaller, of course. It's it's tighter. It, uh, I mean, it's built similar to Daytona in that way with the chicane in the back, the kind of modified chicane in the front, how they did it with the cup cars. And we raced at the Roval in the... Uh, Cyber Thunder Pro Cup Series this, the season earlier this year and it was difficult just as, in, as any kind of stock car race at a road circuit going to be difficult uh, but I found it was fun you could get into a flow and a rhythm in the IMSA car I drove the BMW there and you could get into it but it just was too easy to get into incidents that was my main problem uh, it was just really difficult to get caught up in something and you almost had to expect problems right at the start
0: yeah, I mean, definitely it's a challenge to drive those cars. I remember that race. Um, I know you missed Sonoma and honestly, yeah. you, you could, you probably know I was, I was not really anticipating that race. I literally just bought the track, uh, the week of the race in the uh, blade dot com pro cup series, which you had to miss. Um, yeah. last time I raced Sonoma was the NASCAR 2003 season and that would have been sometime in 2005, 2006. Um, so over a decade ago. Yeah. It was the last time I touched that track. And I I remember now, I, I don't think we were on the the, the old uh, layout. I think we were on the IndyCar layout. I think that's what NASCAR uses now. You can tell I'm a lot of touch with NASCAR. Yeah. But uh, that was actually one of the best races I've had in uh, Cyber Thunder, and perhaps ever. I mean, the race, uh, me and Tom Richter were battling the last 10 laps or so. Um, I started in the back. And just kind of worked my way through and finished, I think it was 13th, yeah, with with was. the last lap battle. And literally a drag race where he spun his tires.
1: And and you said, I watched the clip, we put it up on our team Facebook, you said you didn't have any incidents in that race, or any off-tracks or anything?
0: Um, I think I had one where I ran off-track into the dirt, <clears throat> but, but never ran, never spun out, never ran off other than that. Uh, probably one of the most clean and consistent races, despite being on the edge of control in that car. Uh, but it was just a good race entirely. I mean, it wasn't a whole lot of incidents. I mean, you could see in that video some cars ran off track, uh, but there was not any major, major problems, which is pretty typical of Cyber Thunder racing.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, like you said, I had to take a provisional. I didn't think I would have to until a few days before the race, so I had actually gone to a testing session for the uh, Pro Cup Series over the previous weekend. Uh, and took my power headset Mustang for some laps on Sonoma, and I just couldn't get it. I was, I mean, I, I wasn't really that hurt to miss it. I wasn't initially when I found, thinking, you know, I, you know, we love road racing. We're more road racing drivers at times, so maybe that gives us some competitive advantage. Uh, although the Cup car and stock cars are so difficult to drive, I don't think that's the case necessarily. Uh, we'll see uh, this week at Watkins Glen in the Xfinity Series there, but. Uh, yeah, I did not have a handle on it at all. I would have pictured chaos. I would have wished you the best of luck to not you know, fly off the track. Sonoma, I've just not quite figured out. I raced the BMW GT there in the Red Sox League and the little spring series that we did. Wasn't good there even in the GTE. It's just something about Sonoma, just like Laguna Seca that I those two tracks I just can't figure out. I'm not comfortable at uh, no matter how long I've been driving them on iRacing.
0: Yeah, I mean, it took some time to remember the the corners, at least the ones that I remember. Um, The indie portion, I don't think I've ever raced on, uh, but it was actually pretty cool. I mean, I enjoyed, towards the end, I was enjoying it. When I did the practice sessions, I wasn't very good at all, and I just kind of got warmed up and used to it. Um, And the same thing with Circuit of the Americas. We just finished the endurance team, um, had a great showing uh, yesterday at Circuit of Americas, in um, the iRacing Endurance Series, it's the last race on their schedule. And I think that's actually going to resume, at least the current schedule started in April, I think. So it's going to be quite a while before we get one of those. Uh, but it was 12 hours at Circuit of the Americas, and we finished also, imagine that, P13. Um, but uh, literally just bought the track a few days before the race. Where we had some practice sessions, and I did some open practice. And uh, towards the end of that race, especially even towards the end of the of my second stint in the car uh, started to just to learn the track get it down and now it's one of my favorite road courses
1: yeah i've actually i've never driven on uh circuit of the america's coda we'll call it for short i've never driven there uh whatsoever i think i picked it up a few days ago just so i could watch you guys i i arrived back while you guys were underway in the race so i didn't co-drive in it at all Uh, but yeah 12 hours that's no no short race. I mean, we had just done the 10 hours petite Le Mans and that's long enough. 12 hours. I mean, it's half of our, our maximum endurance race.
0: Yeah. um, I mean, yeah, that was, it was a a great effort by everybody. That's for sure.
1: And we had uh, yourself, we had Rob Gugrard. We had Patrick Stein, Jason Bivens, Doug Buchanan. Am I forgetting anybody that co-drove on that one?
0: Um. Did you say Patrick? Yeah, Patrick, Patrick. Sir, it was Doug Buchanan, myself, Patrick Stein, Jason Bivens, and yeah, I think that. Was what it, am I thinking uh, of yeah? see Rob. Yeah, Rob. Said, oh boy, so,
1: <laughs> plenty of drivers. We had one car. It was the BMW, and and we had some. I think you put some clips up of that. But uh, that was day and the night, and it seemed like that particular track. They didn't have very much ambient lighting once it became full dark. There, did they?
0: Yeah, I mean, there was no, no lighting set up at that track. It's not made for darkness. Um, in real life, of course, there's some lighting, but in this case, it was almost total darkness. Um, so, yeah, most of the race, it started early morning, about accurate for the time that it did start and did finish. Um, so, started early morning. I did the first couple of stints, um, and then they progressed and started getting dark. Honestly, yeah, really about the time that it got dark in real life for Eastern Standard Time. Um, And it did finish in full darkness for just probably the last hour, maybe 45 minutes of just full darkness. Um, I got into the car for the last single hour stint, and there was still a little bit of light in the horizon, but the sun was down. Headlights were in full use, and at the very end, it was pitch darkness.
1: Yeah, and I was there for that latter part, too. I I joined as Jason was finishing his last stint, and he turned it over to you to finish up. Uh, just about in full dark, and it was uh, some great sights, though, for the sunset at Coda. It was really enjoyable.
0: Yeah, we got some excellent footage and some good good pictures of the car um, up on the Facebook for anybody that hasn't seen them. Um But it was just a fantastic endurance race. Um, everybody, I think, walked away pleased. Um, didn't get as good finish as, as the team did at Petit Le Mans, uh, but we didn't put a lot of time in. We did some practice. Um, And all the guys did some individual work um, on their own. But, I mean, the team effort there, everyone stayed on, stayed with the team. We just kind of, you know, if someone had to go out, we made sure somebody was there, as usual, with the driver um, to do some spotting, work on pit strategy. And honestly, we gained uh, P13, our final position, through pit strategy. Uh, Because at the beginning, um, I got actually stuck behind the, the top three GT3 cars Uh, because they didn't gap the field at start. They just started right on our tail, and I started in the back of the GTE field. Um, So we got stuck behind them. We couldn't really pass them except on the straight, and it wasn't a safe pass because, of course, the leading GT3s were probably about as fast as me at the opening. Um, So we got behind them and just slowed down and drafted them down the straight, essentially, and gained two or three laps of fuel. That put us ahead of everybody else where we could stay out longer um, throughout the entire race. And then we had a few drive throughs that kind of eliminated that, but we still worked on strategy and ended up having one stop less than the car that we beat for P13.
1: What was the longest you guys had to sit in pit road for damage repair?
0: Uh, probably about 40 seconds. We had very little damage throughout. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that was the incident uh, where Dougie Buchanan had just got in the car, uh, no fault of his own. He was at the top of the hill and, uh, some car that had passed them or did something with them, uh, cut sideways, or somebody had spun out in front of him. I can't remember exactly what happened. Um, and ended up, it was a Ferrari, I believe, GT3, uh, pushed him sideways and then kept on pushing through him. And there's a picture of it on the Facebook where it almost flipped him over entirely, and it did push him into the wall. Um, unbelievably, we only had maybe 50 seconds of repairs on that one. No engine damage throughout. I mean, the car stayed very clean.
1: Yeah, and coming up this weekend, we'll stay pretty busy on the endurance side. We'll be hitting uh, the six hours of Le Mans in the iRacing uh, Endurance Le Mans series. Uh, That'll be in the Great Hire Corvette. Instead of the uh, BMW, it'll be my first time really driving the Corvette. I haven't driven it quite quite a lot at all. Uh, I've done some testing sessions in it, and I'm sure I'll do some this week. Uh, but mostly I've driven the LMP2 out of the two new vehicles that came out. You and I co-drove for six hours at Sebring. Uh, so we're going to give, uh, a few of us are going to give the Corvette a try at Le Mans, try to revisit that track. It's one of my favorite uh, road circuits. I would have to say it is one of my, it is my favorite road circuit so far. There are a handful that I've not uh, been on yet just because there's so many and I haven't picked them all up yet over the the months and years. But, you need uh, to get
0: Nürburgring. That's your next one. I think you'll yeah. fall in
1: love with it. Yeah, I've upgraded my system. I think it would have caught on fire initially if I tried to get Nurburgring. <laughs> I'm going to try it now. I fully intend myself to uh, participate with the team for 24 hours of Nurburgring, so that'll be on the list. I know you did one of the full, uh, full Nordschleife course.
0: Yeah, me and Patrick split uh, driving in the Nurburgring endurance series. I think it's four, like four, four hours. hours yeah. six? I think it's. I think it was four, okay. four or six. I can't remember.
1: You guys, I was going to say, I don't remember you guys splitting six hours between two of you, but maybe you did.
0: I think it was just me and him. I think Jason had said he was going to race, and then and something that's ended that's up where right. he could. Yeah, so I think yeah. me and him split it. Um, I'm not sure. I, th- I want to say it was only four, but yeah, I and can't and, remember. Yeah,
1: and I need to do one of those many ones probably before I, I get all the way into 24 hours. Well,
0: you need to do a lot of practice before you can even get there. Um, but it's – I mean, that's probably the best – and largest, most significant track. I mean, it's unlike any other track in the, in the service, any other track would available. Say it blows, would
1: you say it blows Le Mans away even? Oh, yeah. It's probably twice I the size of Le I mean, there maybe. are people listening, obviously, that have been on it plenty of times and probably are just laughing at my question, but I've, I don't have it. I've not been on it. I've not driven on it, so I have to, to put that out in the open.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's impressive, especially in VR, uh, which is how I experienced it the first, first time. I mean, it's an incredibly impressive track. Um, so, I mean, that's... I would suggest you get that one. But, yeah, Le Mans is amazing. Um, We got that this week in the Le Mans series and the Le Mans endurance series, which you guys will do on the weekend. I'm not going to be available for that one, Uh, but I wish you all the best of luck. I will be participating in the Le Mans series hour-long race this week at some point with you guys.
1: Yeah, I'll try to uh, get on there. It'll be myself, Daryl Stockton, and a third driver to be named, and maybe we'll have another entry, another car altogether. We'll see. Uh, but we've got that coming up on the endurance side. We just wrapped up CODA. Uh So to, next we'll talk a little bit about a project we've got going. A lot of people have signed up for it. It's the MSR Road Challenge. And uh, that is a series. It's, I'm not going to, it's, I mean, obviously we're not a league, we're a team, but we're growing. We have several projects under Mad Sim Racing. And the MSR uh, Mad Sim Racing Road Challenge Series is one of the newest of those. Uh, it is run by John Deekman. Uh, we met John racing sports cars over April, May, uh, in the ERA racing league. Uh, he was running a, it was all GTE at the time, uh, road series. We raced, uh, mid Ohio, uh, Sebring, uh, Long Beach, uh, quite a few races with them. And then John organized the, uh, The well-known and very visible era indy 500 the month of may that that everybody that's been following us uh, for several months saw us participate in Uh, we finished two three on the podium in the era indy 500 i finished i think it was fourth in the indy grand prix earlier in may and uh, those were great broadcast events Uh, era uh, the gte series was a great series good group of guys we raced and uh, tried to battle it out at the time with war turtle racing uh, which I'm really pleased have uh, signed up for the MRSR Road Challenge. Yeah, series. yeah, I noticed that. I'm looking at
0: the team roster right now.
1: Yeah, we got a couple guys. We got one in LMP class and one in GT class, uh, GTE class, and uh, they've they've come over. But it was not too many people raced in it. Uh, I know John was very busy at the time and just really couldn't super manage it, so it kind of just went quiet. Uh, no issues, I think, with the quality of racing or the people that were competing in the series. Uh, but it just kind of went quiet over the summer uh, so john joined us for uh, some of our endurance racing program stuff uh, kind of as a part-time endurance driver uh, he tested with us for petite le mans he's uh, probably going to join us for the daytona 24 and so on and uh, he wanted to bring the bring a series back a road series and uh, he considered bringing it back under era but he had been involved with us in at mad sim racing we've really enjoyed racing with him over the several months uh, and some fun runs, and and just league racing in general. Uh, so we kind of got together, and and John is going to run it, uh, so we're not going to uh, run it ourselves as far as the administration, the scheduling, things like that. He'll do it just like he did with uh, the other series, the ERA series, uh, but it'll be a part of Mad Sim Racing. It's going to be a 10-race schedule, and everybody can see that on madsimracing.com at the MSR Road Challenge link. But uh, it's going to be an interesting interesting series. It's a it's a quick 10 race schedule, there are two bye weeks for the holidays, but otherwise it's not going to be dragged out, you know, very long.
0: Yeah, it opens on November 9th at Watkins Glen Boo for 60 minutes. Um, and yeah, just bringing, um, I like the multi-class. Um, that's one thing. It was just GTE, like you said, in the, in the ERA league. And now we have a decent, if everybody shows up, which that's usually half the battle is getting everybody that commits to a league to actually come in. Um, each week. Um, And of course you have some absences here and there, but we have a very, very large group of GTEs here I'm looking. I know me and you both are going to be in the Corvette GTE, uh, which is just LMP2 Corvette as a single GTE option, and then Mercedes as a single GTE 3 option. Just keeps it simple. Um, But I think we're going to have a good competition in GTE. I'm going to have a lot of work to do to actually get a top five in that class. Um, A lot of good guys up in LMP2 and uh, Bruce Perry, um, the head of our endurance and rope program um, over at Mad Sim Racing, keeps us all kind of, keeps our heads on as far as the endurance racing goes Um, and and definitely is a major part in our success in that program. Um, He's going to be in LMP2. He'll be a force to be contending with. Uh, Miles Crabb, who he brought on board with us um, for endurance racing. I know he has a lot of experience. He's going to be in LMP2. Um, we do have a War Turtle guy that you mentioned uh, from ERA. He's an LMP2. And then to Eve Racing. Um, not heard of them. I'm assuming they are somebody that signed up. Uh, yeah. But that's that's going to be a competitive LMP2 class.
1: Yeah, I think we've got Rob up there as well, uh, our a resident, well, one of our resident Canadian drivers. Uh, I think that'll be interesting to see how he is up there. Uh, I think Miles and Bruce will be a good uh, kind of teammate slash rivalry uh, situation. They've been racing with each other for a while and will race uh, the Daytona 24. Oh, yeah, is probably our our pro team, I would say, at this point. But, uh, yeah, it's it's and it's difficult, and it was something we thought about. It's difficult with some of these road leagues to, to undertake a multi-class effort when you're making a road league. I mean, you see some big ones out there. Uh, I think there's one, there's a club sports series and some different big uh, road leagues, because uh, you do get the international turnout for road racing and road leagues, but you just have to it's getting it as the problem is getting people to recognize it and sign up, you know, in the right numbers and uh, getting them to balance, trying to balance the classes out. That was something that we ran into and tried to consider. I mean, we've got a GT3 Mercedes AM class. Uh, You could see, obviously, as you look at the entry list as of today, we have, I think, four or five, four drivers in that and trying to keep that competitive. I mean, if it's, if it's only a small handful of guys, but they don't have a ton of experience, I think it's going to be, end up being good that there aren't many of them to compete for a podium or a first place.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the end in the, the growth series, like you said. Um, so anybody who is not comfortable jumping in with, with the larger field, because we're definitely seeing a smaller GT3 uh, field out there. I think we only have four registered so far. Of course, there's still plenty of time to register um so i mean the gt3 field i mean it's obviously this is all uh something that john's put together so we're not going to step in and say hey we want we're going to change this or move this um i like the structure of it i'll say that for sure yeah. um I, I like the three classes i love multi-class racing um i don't we don't get enough of it because unfortunately we typically will start or maybe fortunately we start in the lower splits uh, just based on I rating um so we usually only get, only get single class racing i think uh, Petit Lamar, we might have had three crosses, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. um, just a little bit. But uh, that could be kind of hectic, especially at uh, the Roval, which will be our second race. That's going to be pretty dangerous. And then yeah,
1: I think that'll be interesting. I was going to say, it's. I think that's a great part of it. As it continues to work out, the roster continues to grow because this will kick off on November 9th. So we've got weeks to go to continue to recruit. We anticipate having more drivers in the series. But a big complaint, a big problem we run into as an endurance team on the road, uh, we have been in races where we have GT cars and LMP cars, uh, multi-class. And as the LMP2 has come out, uh, the multi it seems more popular. So more splits seem to have uh, at least LMP2s and GTE class. We ran into that at Sebring. I know you and I drove an uh, LMP2. We had yeah. our other guys, Daryl and, and everybody, in a Corvette in the same same race, same split. And uh, over a long race, you get to kind of familiar with your competitors out there. I think there there gets to be some sportsmanship and respect uh, when you get in some of the shorter pickup hosted races that are 45 minutes to an hour. Maybe not so much as we all see. Uh, and the biggest problem we've seen generally are LMP2 drivers just running over the GT drivers. And I think having a league or a series that as we as we're going to have with multi class three classes including two classes slower than the LMPs and with the majority GTE classes we see thus far, uh, it'll be a chance for all of our people on our team or on other teams that want to develop and practice for uh, endurance races, 24 hour races to get experience with familiar people week in and week out as far as navigating slower classes, uh, whether it's getting out of the way or, or getting aligned right for the LMPs. If you're a slower car, Or if you're driving an LMP and want to race in longer races in an LMP, uh, navigating slower cars in a familiar setting with guys you get to race with weekly in 60 minute, you know, to 90 minute to 120 minute races.
0: Yeah, and I think this, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, my guess would be this came from the fun runs um, that we had. We had, I think, the realization and the discussion we'd had almost jokingly uh, with some of the team members was that we had such a showing for the fun runs and the practice races that we set up just because we've we've gotten a lot of guys on the team now, and a lot of guys are very incredibly dedicated, show up to every session, every practice. They're on almost every night working on something, racing something. Um, we had enough guys where we would get on and have a great time racing road. Um, we didn't have to worry about uh, going into official races, worrying about I rating, worrying about safety rating and people that just started, it was a comfortable atmosphere, and then we're, we're all learning, and everybody's getting used to racing road cars. Um, so I think we decided, I think part of it was, hey, there's enough people to, to form an actual good race field, and let's open it up and create a series, uh, which I know John is the one that brought it to us. Um, he participated in the front run, so I wouldn't be surprised if it, he didn't get the idea to do it under Mad Sim Racing from those front runs. Um, Cause that was, it was just a good time. And, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, we have John, John's those guys supportive
1: John supported the team since the, since we ran in that road series. And especially in the year, in the indie uh, month of May, I was really impressed with that. And I think he was, uh, I think it was cool for him to see our enthusiasm about those events as well. I mean, we just like, like anybody that's doing this, uh, we enjoy getting excited about these events, uh, these leagues, these, these series, these uh, big races,
0: and, oh, you definitely,
1: uh, and and we and we take no shame in that at all. We we are unashamedly uh, <laughs> enthusiastic about some of these these things. Yeah, that's what yeah. We're here To do,
0: and that's like something we touched on, I think, in the first podcast. Is um, iRacing provides the simulation for the motorsport and for the racing. They provide all the physics, all the cars, the tracks, uh, the team racing mechanism. But it's up to us, the iRacers, the sim racers, the people involved that. Have chosen this as a hobby, and are kind of stuck with it now because we, you know, once you, once you get started with iRacing racing, um, there's it's hard to back out. I mean, you can there's hot and cold moments where you're in it and you're not in it so much. You may leave it alone for a year. Which they're, they're, yeah. I know, surely I did uh, over the ten years I've had the service. But um, it's up to us to, if you want to simulate an actual race team, simulate events. The capability is there. You just need people motivated and interested, yeah. and that's yeah. kind of how this team formed. You
1: say the hot and cold moments. Sometimes it's the financial moments as well. I mean, I will uh, say that. That's another
0: thing I was about to say is you're <laughs> you're not only stuck with it as a hobby because of the enjoyment of it. You're stuck because once you're so deep in tracks and content, <laughs> it'd be a waste or, of money to back it rigs up. Or
1: and wheels and, and yeah. hardware as well. Oh, yeah. I'm there, too. As, we, as I know you just got, and we'll talk about it maybe. We'll, we'll save that for some another time yeah. as we do some tech talk. Uh, I know you've got a new rig. Rob's got one. We'll get Robin here and talk that maybe Bruce yeah, as well yeah. is building one. We'll get yeah, all of our rig guys in and have a big round table of tech. We'll hold that off for another day.
0: Oh um, yeah. That's a whole discussion.
1: Yeah. But talking about the MSR road challenge series, I mean, we, obviously John is running it. It's John's uh, main project. And we're kind of the, the institution around it. That's kind of weird to say, but you get the gist, I think. Um, but we never set out to run a league, and we're, we're still not setting out to become a league. Uh, we don't want to compete with other leagues. Obviously, we've set this series on Monday nights uh, because we're committed to Cyber Thunder racing as far as oval racing, and we do that on Mondays uh, or Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and we're going to continue to do that without any any uh, struggle. Um, but it's difficult to run a league in iRacing, I feel. Uh, run it properly. I mean, you see leagues that range in, in whether they're really casual, like, for example, uh, leagues or some leagues are just run on Facebook groups. I know ERA was like that, uh, for when we were part of it, uh, that, you know, not all of them set up websites not all of them put a lot of time in them. It's just a kind of informal group of people. It may just be based on the iRacing leagues page and that's it. Uh, others like Cyber Thunder, which we view as, is really premier, uh, they have a website you can visit and it's really in depth. It's got stats, uh, photos, it's well put together. It's organized and it's, it's a thing, you know? Uh, so to speak Uh, same with teams I mean you see what our team and what we put into it and our group of guys and uh, and others are just kind of informal they might be just based on discord or just based on Facebook or whatever the case is Uh, but we never set out to to form a league and leagues can be tricky sometimes
0: yeah I remember uh, back in the day with NASCAR 2003 season I do vaguely recall that you and me tried to start a league we did I I don't even know what it was called I know we bummed uh, TeamSpeak off of somebody else. I think we Somehow we ended up with a TeamSpeak server that we could use. Um, I don't remember where we got it. It wasn't from PIGS. It might have been MCR or it might have been somebody else that had one. Um, but I remember being an admin trying to do race control and race at the same time, which I think it's a little easier now. I've not done it. Yeah, it's um, more. You can
1: use the mouse, You don't have to do the forward slash. Yeah. See, I re- I remember
0: having to type in the number, doing the codes. If you didn't have it saved, you'd end up wrecking during caution. I mean, it was a pain in the ass. Yeah. But. Oh, yeah.
1: And we used we used uh, somebody's server for free that uh, I think we erased what they offered it, and then that led us to starting it. That's I think, right. I, I, think think I think you the, had a, linking you, up with someone that offered a server space to host on on it on 2K3. Yes. Yeah. Led that's us right. To yeah. To
0: start the league, so yeah i forget that you couldn't like now with iRacing it's easy to to pay and you know what is it 50 cents an hour or whatever right and and actually run sessions yeah it was different yeah it was a lot different
1: yeah a little more techie you had to i think do more research and learn how to do it it wasn't user-friendly i guess is the way to put it but it's been a long time yeah i vaguely remember some of that (laughs) but yeah leagues i mean you see in iRacing you see there's uh Some leagues have entry fees. Some leagues charge money and uh, offer different things. Uh, We kind of got into one of these over, I think it was April, maybe April into May.
0: Yeah, the peak of the shutdown.
1: Yeah, we've never really talked about, I think, in any public setting. We never even really announced that we were stepping away from this particular league. It was the uh, JWR Esports Series, Josh White Racing Esports uh, that would be Josh White. He was an ARCA driver several years ago, and then he, he started in one uh, Gander truck race and kind of formed this eSports League, and it really looked interesting as we uh, found it before it actually started. Uh, it was broadcast, and the broadcasts are actually pretty good. Anybody that's been following us uh, since April probably saw our clips or our shares or anything from it, and uh, it was a truck series, and it, it was interesting in that respect as far as its initial promotion and things like that. But and it's as we get into it, as we got into it, uh, the racing quality was a little off, wasn't that great overall. There were too many cautions, which I think affected what what the product was on the broadcast. It was very expensive as far as entry fees, and the entry fees fluctuated and they were just uh, as we got into it, it got more and more complicated and we also got more and more concerned about what was going on with it basically.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it was very attractive to begin with and um, of course you have that sticking point with advertising to say Hey, this is something run by somebody in a in a NASCAR sanctioned series That's trying to put something together and um, certainly there's nothing wrong with having high ambitions I know we have ourselves uh, for the team and the projects here um, But it's I don't know we can get into it a little more um, but uh, Yeah, I mean it As it started out, everyone started out almost in a fever dream of, oh, yeah, what's this thing going to be? Yeah, Yeah, like we're all sucked in. We're all drinking the lemonade. Um, And that's not to say that the intentions were not pure at all times. Um, And, of course, this is all, you know, some of this is opinionated and speculative. Uh, You're not making open accusations against anybody. It's here's here's what we saw. Here's why we left kind of discussion here.
1: Yeah, and and what we the sense that we got the sense I got in particular because you stopped racing before I did I stuck with it a little bit longer yeah
0: it got a little um, expensive for my taste
1: yeah the entry fees were $25 I think a week and they were kind of fluctuating uh, kind of arbitrarily at times there was uh, there were votes within the the pool of drivers but uh, I don't think I think some decisions were made before everybody had a chance to even soak in what was happening you'd have people Uh, find out about big changes in expenses or rules and they hadn't even I think had a chance to have a discussion Uh, so it was democratic but really briefly democratic maybe in a way Uh, and there was just generally not a lot of leadership I think from the owner of the series whose name was on the series and reputation and uh, as we got into the races it was really just chaos I mean uh, we had a driver that joined us at one race, uh, Cole Gray from Cyber Thunder. We enjoyed driving with him for that one race. He joined us in Martinsville in that in that truck series, and we were having a blast. But uh, the wrecks started happening as they will, and somebody uh, was intentionally wrecking him, and there were no consequences. There's, no, I mean, it was just that was part of it. It was kind of wild wow. west out there. It was not disciplined the drivers weren't the greatest of sports uh,
0: yeah that's that was the that was another that in the cost of entry was, yeah. were the two major turning turnoffs for me there was a lot of tempers a lot of regression out there you know very little tolerance to mistakes yeah. which tells me two things one that there's drivers out there making simple mistakes and they weren't vetted properly for a, for a league like that if you're trying to grow something and make it significant you're you trying should to make it
1: exclusive or yeah.
0: something like that yeah I mean there's I'm certainly all for somebody that's new to the sport. I mean, that's one of our specialties in MSR is bringing people on that don't have a lot of experience in developing. Uh, but that's where you, as a team, thankfully we have Cyber Thunder and have the opportunity to put somebody in the de- developmental league, where that's ex- or series, where that's the whole purpose of it, and you kind of expect it. Um, but there was, it was literally just if you have the money, you can join. It's, Which I mean, that's a lot the of money, places you can join. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah I mean, that's a lot of places, but in this case uh, you you need to keep the competition pretty even in this kind of thing because why would you why would I spend twenty or twenty five dollars a week for half a year to finish last every race? and that's kind of what I saw. There were some guys that were all in, totally bought in, and they were you know, I could sadly watch them blowing their money myself included, I was yeah, starting to see time, the same yeah. yeah, I was starting to see the same guys win every week and i'm starting to realize why am i spending money to run a race i could do for free and i racing anywhere else and that's not even the north lee. it's just you have to That's this is kind of a cautionary tale and kind of an open discussion of yes there's going to be a lot of pay to play leagues out there you have to really look at the product you're getting versus what are you going to get out of it if you're going to you know there's a lot of racing out there so pick and choose wisely
1: yeah what what's the end game if it's $25 a race and a 20 race schedule how much are you looking at, at- Shelling out there when you're not only paying for iRacing as a, as a service, yeah. and you you do get your money's worth there because we're all here, and we all love it, um, right? But that's and the, the nature of it. You pay uh, you pay the rent for the apartment, the service for iRacing, and then you also have to buy your own furniture. You have to pay the for the cars, the tracks, and then they they tantalize you with LMP2s and Corvettes every you know six months or so.
0: Yeah, so I mean it's. <sighs> I mean, so, yeah, it's uh, I, honestly, and I think that also comes back to, I mean, it's, yeah, uh, if I'm gonna start a league, I want it to be awesome. I want to do all this. I want to promote it. I want to get it broadcasted. but you also have to think, I mean, I don't want to say well, ethic ethically, but I mean, if I'm starting a series and it's brand new from the ground up, and I'm gonna charge all this money for somebody to race, and as opposed to a series that's established that's been around for years in I racing. Broadcasted on the top tier has thousands of viewers each series race then yeah you could justify charging the money but if i'm starting brand new and i'm starting a league a month from now and saying i'm going to charge you this much to broadcast at this level yeah i mean that's great as a league owner and founder i would want to see that for something i created but at the same time would it be a better approach to start something a little more modest and then grow it whereas the If you look at this as a chart, think of it as a stock and look at the chart, this chart started from zero and went almost straight up vertically and then just dropped as opposed to the way it should be, which is just a gradual rise to popularity. You start adding things, then maybe you can raise the entry price a little bit and justify it. And I I think what it came down to, which we could talk more of is where exactly what, what was happening with all this money?
1: Well... I will say, I mean, th- as the prices fluctuated in the entry fee, part of that, I mean, we've just talked about basically how crappy the racing quality was. It was, it was trash. It was garbage. I mean, generally, uh, and, and anybody that reflects on it can't disagree. I mean, there were there were cautions nonstop. There was bad sportsmanship. There was intentional wrecking. I've seen, I saw at least a couple times, and uh, part of the increase in the entry fee uh, at one point, one of the one of the fluctuations, not the only one. Uh, was to hire a race controller. And I think over over the period of that time, that money went to hiring at least two or three different race control individuals. And I don't know where they were recruited. I think they were recruited on Facebook groups. Uh, but we had people yeah, that coming can get in. Back we had people coming in, get, yeah, people coming in getting paid $60 a race uh, to race control, as I, if I recall correctly. Uh, that just didn't, I mean, the w- one guy on one night, I wish Rob Gregor were here. One time he filled in for you in the 92 truck. Um, We were at Michigan. We were doing pretty well. And uh, I was running pretty well. I ended up getting into an accident or something. I got a lap down. Rob, I think, was running pretty well uh, in mid-pack for that race. He was a little nervous. You know, he was worked up on it because it was kind of uh, boxed up as a premier series. And he was fairly new to iRacing at the time. Uh, So we get in there and we're at, I think, the final 10 laps or so. And some rule that was in place and no rule was very consistently enforced in my opinion, in the whole series. Uh, but at some point people kept wanting wave arounds. It was a very clean race. It was the only clean race we had as I recall. And then we finally had a caution. Everybody was desperate for a caution. Uh, the race controller, f- uh, threw a caution because somebody spun in the pit road. So in other words, I racing itself didn't throw the caution and we had I racing cautions on, um, but people kind of were pressuring the race controller that's getting paid $60 a night to throw it. So he threw it and made everybody happy. Uh, wow. Which, which completely blows my mind because we, we had just come off of races that were caution filled. And this to me was great. I mean, this was Cyber Thunder-esque, the way it was going. Uh, so he threw the caution, about 10 to go or so. Lap down people, uh, kept asking to get waiver rounds to get their laps back. Uh, and I think that was in the rule book, which I think is a ridiculous rule. I think anything like that, anything besides a lucky dog and over racing. Uh, so the guy gave, I think, 10 plus cars a wave around at one time. And it basically, it, it confused racing to the point that all the standings, all the placements on, on track were just messed up. And the end of the race was was a complete disaster after being perfectly clean and caution free for the whole majority of it, um, and then that person was was the race controller was kicked off and blamed for most of that. And they were they didn't do a good job, but the group of people I think didn't do a good job.
0: Yeah, I mean, if I've never had i racing and I see on Facebook, hey, I'll pay you sixty dollars to admin and officiate this race. I'm going to say yes, whether I know what I'm doing or not. Yeah, and the, I, mean, I mean,
1: the person and Rob, I wish you could comment on it too. I mean, he sounded like he was high. The race controller of that particular race, (laughs) very nonchalant. Kind of glad I missed that one. Professional. If you want to to box it up as professional, sure, we're all having fun. But if you're going to charge money and box it up as professional and and
0: try to bring sponsors,
1: I mean, charging sponsors three hundred dollars to sponsor a race and they had title sponsors on a few. I mean,
0: that's that's where it gets kind of ridiculous. Because, and this is just my opinion. I mean, some people may enjoy the having the eye in the sky. But how many leagues? Cyber Thunder being the primary one we race in. ERA with John. How many leagues have you run in? I'd say every league I've ever run in, other than the occasion they had the race controller at this in that series, the uh, race controller or admin was actually racing himself, and there was never a problem. Everything was you run pretty smoothly. can see what's going
1: on out there. If you especially have yeah. several admins on track, I mean, there's there are eyes out there, and there's usually accountability in any decent league and sportsmanship and respect with people
0: yeah and i think that just comes down to i mean what what your intentions are to start a league and try to make something do you start the league because you actually enjoy racing and you just want to maybe there's not a league that races at the time you want to or races the car you want to honestly that's why i would do it is well, con-
1: you mentioned before not to cut you off you mentioned before we were starting to get there but i had to throw in some of the aside with race with race controls and some of the money that were that was spent you were talking about the money and, and where the money goes uh, in this JWR series that we're uh, talking about that we dropped out of. I, I myself, because you dropped out before me out of frustration and uh, the cost of it, I, ca- I stayed in to do a few more races. The broadcast was great. Wesley Outland, is a, uh, who called the races and was also paid out of the fees, uh, is a pro. He calls actual dirt track and, and short track races all around. Uh, the eastern part of the United States and based out of North Carolina and they did a great job but uh, I got spooked basically and and just disappeared from the series uh, when somebody else left Uh, I'm not going to say his name um, but uh, another driver left and before he left he posted in the team chat or the the uh, series league chat uh, for everybody kind of a breakdown of of the math, the numbers uh, of the amounts of money that were coming through, I think total and from entry fees, uh, based on the size of the field, uh, maybe some of the sponsorship costs, uh, but those were kind of inconsistent and not not too transparent for the rest of us. But you can at least do the math on entry fees because each week you know what the cost is, and each week you can see how many people started the race, which means that they paid their entry fees. And he broke it down, and it basically showed. Uh, that the winner of the race, and maybe it was at some point the top three, uh, the drivers basically who got winnings each week, uh, were getting that part was public. They knew how much was going out, and it left quite a bit of money in the hundreds, if I recall correctly, unaccounted for uh, each week, uh, basically, as from the entry fees. And the, the information that was shared or the, the claim there was, or what people understood, was that that excess money from these entry fees week in and week out that were not paid in winnings or paid to the broadcaster and, and the the announcers uh, would go to the championship pot, basically. And it was promoted that the championship pot could get up to $3,000 for the end of the season. So quite a bit. And that would, you would think, account for that chunk of money. Uh, well, at some point, it just seemed a little, little off. Something was off. I just, I, I ducked out at that point. But we kept an eye on the series from there, and eventually, uh, those suspicions, one way or the other, caught up with the series.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the tension was was always there. I think as things started to change uh, at the beginning, everybody was totally on board, including us. Uh, we promoted it heavily on our yeah. team Facebook and website, um, and I mean, it started out seemingly with fine intentions, and maybe throughout the intentions were great. I mean. Again, I don't fault uh, anybody for wanting to start something and grow it. I think, in this case, uh, I think they tried to do too much. I think he did try to do too much too fast, and he pushed it way too hard to be something that it wasn't ready to be. Um, And, again, I I question, um, you know, I'm not going to accuse, but I question what the intention was to get it there. Like, why do we need to add this and then this and then this and this? For example...
1: A month, maybe a month and a half into the truck series, which was billed as the the series, the series, the league. Uh, there was talk. They started a cup series or attempted to start a cup series with the same entry fee. And I believe I started kind of out of impulse. I wanted to race uh, race on that particular day. But uh, I raced the first one and ended up being one of the I think the only one uh, of the JWRE Sports Cup Series race at Daytona. Not many people showed up to that. It wasn't ready. The truck series wasn't squared away yet. Yet here we have another another series that was added into this "quote unquote" brand uh, that also charged twenty five dollars for entry fee. Now I also gave winnings out, but I think it was in the same format where maybe not not all of the winnings went to uh, to the drivers. Obviously, some goes to the broadcaster, but you have to wonder if you know again in the speculation mode what was being held held to the side uh, what amount would be held yeah. to the side then there was a, a sprint car dirt series and and so on too many series popping up that cost money and they weren't adding up with the growth of the whole project
0: yeah i mean there was it was kind of like that's kind of also what turned me off um, just the hey we're going to add this and it's going to cost this much and we're going to do a race words, controller it, and it's it going to cost
1: this much it got the sense of a money grab
0: Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, just kind of incredible things that on the surface would be like, holy shit, like, oh, we're going to get Carrie Underwood, we're in talks to get Carrie Underwood to sing the National (laughs) Anthem, and then the next day we get on and see, well, you're going to have to make a, what, $5,000 donation.
1: Thousands dollars donation to her charity or she won't do it, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, just kind of, I don't know, It it would throw up like, oh, this is interesting, and then you would see... Uh, kind of red flags coming up
1: getting getting the league on roku and and selling licenses and this was after we left so we kind of kept an eye on the on the the chat after we left but we weren't into it i saw talk of of selling licenses i don't know quite what that meant because we weren't involved at that point we were just kind of keeping an eye on it almost just half grinning like what in the hell is going on and uh so they had that. There was there was talk of uh, a digital autograph session for us drivers in that series to, to do digital autographs for our fans, which <laughs> I don't think you're quite ready for that when you're two months into a league and series, but okay. Uh, I don't think maybe one person requested an autograph from somebody. Uh, we didn't participate in that. But uh, just more and more costs. Well, uh, we'd have to go through, we can do a whole other episode probably, and I'd love to get Robin to talk through it, because he had some opinions as well, uh, and some observations, uh, so this probably won't be the only time we pick through this, uh, and we'll be more careful and factual, because it is very interesting how it played out, but we kind of wanted to, as we talked about leagues, we've never talked about why we stepped away from this particular one that we seemed like we were all in in. so we felt fair, uh, felt it fair to kind of start that conversation, but... Sometime in, was it July or so, maybe August even, uh, a couple people started asking to to back out, and it seemed like from there, a lot of people, I I don't know what happened, whether it was one particular bad race or something, pushed everybody over the edge, and several people asked for their entry fees to be returned to them in full, uh, because some people had unfortunately paid hundreds of dollars in advance uh, to finish out the season of this truck series. And... It came out that nobody could be refunded anything at that time because the money wasn't there. The money that you were thinking was supposed to be sitting in a pot, even championship fund money, which yeah, was there, hundreds other, of thousands. In, yeah, I yeah
0: in other words, there should be entry fees sitting yeah, in a pot, sitting in a pot, pot sitting in a for pot future races, races, plus or otherwise. yeah, plus championship fees, which yes, at that point, yes. I mean, it should have been in the hundreds it at least. Should have been if it
1: was if it would have been as it was marketed or or, or you know as it would have been quite a bit for the championship. But yeah, here we are over, I mean, they would have been 10, 15 races maybe into the season. And everyone was led to believe as they asked for refunds that, that they should have been able to easily get, uh, and the pot should have just shrunk, um, that they couldn't get anything that, uh, more work would have to be done uh, for him to personally raise the funds to return to these people. And that led to, uh, pretty much a, a real storm in that, in that, uh, league chat and, uh, you know, different accusations, different, uh, feelings. Some people defended, some people gave deadlines to, to pay the money back. And, uh, some people threatened with criminal, uh, investigation or proceedings because it certainly would look like, uh, I think that the excuse or explanation was that, uh, a little bit more money than was intended was spent on advertising for the league, uh, different advertisements. Yeah, uh, And yeah. regardless of whether it was for the league or whether it was buying, uh, paying your own car payment as the, the person collecting these fees. Uh, in other words, whether it was for the, the group as a whole and the greater good of the group or whether you were buying your own stuff and buying your meals and taking everybody's money. Uh, it's if you obtain money for uh, one stated reason, and, and you use it without anybody's permission for something else And you use all of it for something else. I don't know how much better that is
0: Yeah, I mean, it's I mean it's kind of a cost like we said earlier. It's a yeah. cautionary tale This is just you know And I'm aware peace a lot of people or some people did get their money back after a short time I I believe I'm, it's Very no longer accessible. Cases, yeah, but. I don't know if anybody's left remaining that hasn't been made whole. Um, and there were receipts and invoices, some posted. So, I mean, I, yeah. it may very well have been true. Um, yeah,
1: we're, again, it, we're, we're talking in, in our opinions and observations. We're not going to make outright accusations when, you know, in that case. But not yeah. not a good situation. I mean, there's no well, question no. about that.
0: I mean, yeah, and th- this is more for a new sim racer or somebody who's new to pay-to-play leagues. Um Consider what you're, like we said earlier, consider what you're getting, consider why you're paying to race, and what the series is going to provide you or your team. Um, in this case, we voluntarily and willingly paid the money because of the broadcast, the exposure, what the series was sold, the opportunity to have substantial winnings, um, and that's there's no harm in that at all. If right. you want to race, I mean, I, I think it adds a lot to a race into a league in a series or even a single event to have some entry fee and have a pot to win that like just like we're trying to sell with Mets and racing increases the, the enjoyment of the simulation and all. And that's what we're trying to do at MSR. Yeah,
1: the same with broadcasts. I mean, obviously yeah. we, I think part of the factor of us easily walking away from this series. One of the things was uh, at the time cyber thunder announced the blade series uh, and it's it being fully broadcast. And so we decided, well, we'll, uh we'll have better racing with a league of more familiar respectful drivers and there aren't going to be any issues with entry fees it's going to be a lot better we'll wait till september and so we did
0: yeah and it's not easy to to run a racing league it's not easy to to spring the cost for broadcasting um, there's a lot of broadcast vendors a lot not so quality i mean you pay for what you get so i mean that's understandable if if a series needs money to to carry a broadcast Hey, I think every sim racer out there thinks it's pretty damn cool to see themselves on a broadcast of, of some quality. Um, so it's it's worth. I mean, it's worth it in that aspect. It's just if you're going to have money set aside, there has to be transparency. Uh, there has to be. If you're running they're, a league, if, dying, you're, so if you're if you're looking to join a league, you need to look for some transparency. And if you don't see it, you need to ask about it or just move on to another league. There's plenty of them out there.
1: Yeah, I mean. Itemization. Uh, for example, uh, for team members of Mad Sim Racing, we have a donation fund set up that's voluntary uh, for car paint schemes and any, anything that, that might cost money team wise. Uh, and this was set up after the JWR fiasco. Uh, so we set up a page, inter- an internal page for team drivers only to access uh, that, that itemizes donations. It, uh, it shows a current balance, which sits in a PayPal and it itemizes what anything that's that's spent or subtracted is specifically for such as a specific paint scheme or otherwise and anything not already discussed or approved with the fund is is not done because it's not agreed upon right and it's not and just dumped
0: into right. a single person's bank account you know right so, i mean
1: exactly so there is no mixing or or otherwise and that was the question that was the controversy and I don't think I mean we're not forensic investigators. We didn't get in anybody's accounts. There's no way for us to know. But in the case of this of this series and this league that we've been talking about, uh, I think to put it bluntly and to put a bow on it for this particular episode's discussion of it is uh, I think a lot of us thought that money was money in the hundreds, if not the thousands, was being skimmed into somebody's personal use, and was basically blown. Uh, when it was promised to be used for winnings or, or otherwise. And I, I think a lot of people still believe that's the case. There's no evidence because we didn't get in there and it's it's more complex than, uh, than that. But that's what it looked like. And whether it was or wasn't the case, it, that's what it looked like and it, yeah. it looked bad. So.
0: And, it, and it calls the end to, uh, it, it to a leak. The leak yeah.
1: folded. I mean, with all that work and time and effort, uh, and a lot of people put some into it and different sponsors uh, put their likeness on some of the races and it folded and it folded in ugly fashion, very ugly fashion.
0: And that's, I mean, that's detrimental to everybody. If, if I mean, if your dream or your desire is to really grow and build a, a series and league and it falls apart like that, that's devastating to you individually, as I imagine it would have been to him. It's also devastating to a full field of 20, 30 drivers who paid 20 $25 for 10 plus weeks. To have an expectation that there's going to be a season, the season's going to end, and there's some kind of end game to it all, that it's going to be ongoing, um, and then it just yeah. is done, just like that, and that money's gone. You've spent hundreds, probably, at the end of the season, at least a yeah. hundred or more on racing, and it goes nowhere, and that's, that sours your taste for i-racing, it sours your taste for sim racing and, and everything involved. So, I mean, it's, it's no good to this eSport, not at all. So, be careful out there. That's what we're trying to say.
1: That's right, and uh, and yeah. So basically, the MSR Road Challenge series series will not be any of that, and that's (laughs) that's where we where we conclude on that particular topic (laughs) today. Uh,
0: Join now. We'll
1: we'll get into yeah. We'll get into more of that. I want to get Rob in for some of his thoughts, and uh, there are more. We can kind of go through that in a little more detail than we just did, but I think that uh, gets it out there. As far as why Mad Sim Racing stepped away from what we were uh, trying to put a lot of work and motivation into. And I think it's uh, an interesting tale at that. Uh, So, for Into the Apex, uh, we do want to put out there uh, you may have seen on our team Facebook uh, and team website, we've got a new partnership with Rep Sports and Raise Energy. Uh, Check it us out at madsimracing.com. Click on the link under team sponsors for the Raise Energy drink or the Rep Sports uh, link. Uh, You can use the promo code or discount code MADSIMRACING in all caps and get a nice little discount on some of their products. And uh, they've got all workout products, whether it's pre-workout, protein powder, Uh, the Raise Energy Drinks, I think, are one of their staples. I've got one already uh, that I'm going to be trying as I exercise. And uh, I think it's going to be, we're really interested in partnering with them and and getting them on some of our cars. And uh, we thought it would be a pretty good idea to partner with somebody that provides energy drinks when we are looking to do so many 24-hour races down the road.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to try to get some of that product myself and give it a try. Um, Also, encourage everybody to support anyone that supports this team. Um, Also, check out the Team Gear page on the website, madsimracing.com. We just added some products related to the podcast. Um, Got a nice new logo uh, made for the podcast. We got some, some stickers, decals um some coffee mugs things coffee like that mugs,
1: coffee mugs pretty cool i think you <laughs> yeah. ordered one didn't you I, I did and a sticker as well yeah i'll be getting um, and we're going to be giving some of those away i think we're going to try to give away maybe some of the mugs in the uh, msr road challenge and some other cool things like that we might be yeah uh, also putting yeah. some sim racer coin up uh, as prizes i mean anything associated with Matt sim racing Uh, is up for grabs probably at some point in the road challenge. So that's one of our coolest and more exciting things going on.
0: Yeah, and everything in the team store, um, we do get a small percentage of all the purchases, and that money goes directly to support the team. Um, So any money that's gained from Team Gear purchase goes back to paint schemes, uh, practice session hosting costs, website costs, and just generally supporting the team. yeah. Yeah,
1: everything that we do. So, yeah, as we, as we have a discussion about transparency and, and money in iRacing. Um, Pay us! Exactly. <laughs> uh, so that's what it's, what it's all about. But uh, so, yeah, hopefully we'll get Rob with us uh, down the road. But uh, for MadSimRacing, MadSimRacing.com, this has been Into the Apex.
0: Great Hire is a fast-growing staffing and recruiting agency based in Southern California in business since 2012. We provide recruiting, payroll, and HR services across multiple business sectors with special experience in manufacturing and construction enterprises. We have been awarded a spot on the prestigious Incorporated 5000 list of fastest-growing companies in the U.S. for two years in a row, 2019 and 2020. Visit GreatHireHR.com for more information. Great Hire HR, a proud sponsor of the Mad Sim Racing Endurance Team.